0: Right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. My name is Steve Hussey, lead pastor. I want to say welcome again to everybody here in Florence. It's so good to have you in the house. Can we show some love for everybody in Lawrenceburg? Come on, Lawrenceburg. It's good to have you guys joining us. Again, everybody else online, whoever you are, wherever you're from, we just want to say welcome. We're glad you decided to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith Church. Man, again, happy Mother's Day. Yes. We just want to honor all of the moms. Thank you for giving birth, for enduring the challenges and the trials of raising kids, we literally would not be here if it wasn't for you. Come on, one more time. Can we honor all of the mothers? Come on, Lawrenceburg moms. So listen, man, again, we've been talking for several weeks now about this women's initiative called The Garden. And I just want to encourage you as the lead pastor, if you're a woman, to get on board and to be a part of this. This is a women's initiative for women of all ages, from all backgrounds, no matter who you are what stage of life you find yourself. The goal of this is we're going to put on, put together three gatherings a year. This is an opportunity to get together to worship. It's a place of inspiration. It's a place where you can make connection. It's a place where you can find empowerment. The goal of this initiative is for you to figure out and to discover your God-given purpose. And so, again, it's just going to be a lot of fun, a lot of opportunity for us to grow together. Women have been asking for something like this, and so this is uh, your, uh, your opportunity to get on board. So, again, we're doing three of these a year. This first one is for free. So all you have to do is uh, on your way out of the door, you'll be given a card where you can go and where you can register. Everyone after this will cost money because it costs us a lot of money to put it on. But we want to have just like an entrance ramp for you to come, find out what it's about, and really get connected, have a good time, and and make sure you're connected in the future. So again, it's coming up June 11th. Make sure you're a part of that. Well, listen, we are uh, on the back end of a series we started several weeks ago entitled Mind Mods. Everybody say Mind Mods. Mind Mods, again, this idea of mind modifications that in our spiritual journey in our life. As we move just as human beings and people, oftentimes the way we get to the next place in our journey is changing the way we think. And so we've been looking at some popular cultural catchphrases that deal with the mind and really leaning into God's Word and finding out what He has to say. And through this series, we've been talking about things like changing your mind, blowing your mind, um, all kinds of really cool, interesting phrases. And today... As we lean into this conversation, I thought this would be appropriate, obviously, for all of us, but especially for moms. I want to talk about uh, peace of mind. Everybody say peace of mind. Now, just so we're clear, I'm not talking about P-I-E-C-E of mind. Like some of you like, oh, go ahead. Pass about to tell us how we can give somebody a peace of our mind. I learned this in church. We're not talking about P-I-E-C-E. We're talking about P-E-A-C-E, peace. Everybody say peace. peace. Come on, everybody say peace. 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 Is peace possible? You talk about having a peace of mind. Is, is really having peace, is it really possible? Oftentimes, I think if we're all honest in life, peace often feels like it's connected to a place. And if we can get to that place, we can have peace. When I say place, I mean like what place is your finances in? If our finances in a good place, we have peace. If your career's in a good place, you have peace. If your family's in a good place, if your kids are in a good place, like, so again, we attach our peace to a place. If we can just get there, we have peace. And if we're not there yet, we don't have peace. And what we're going to find out is that is peace is a promise. Everybody say a promise. Wow. It's not just a promise that God has for every single one of us in this room, every one of you in Lawrenceburg. It's a possession that he wants all of you to have. Yeah. Peace of mind. And so I want us to lean into just a couple of scriptures to prime the pump today. Check this out, Philippians 4-7. I want all of us to read this. Come on. I would encourage all of you, if you're not regularly reading God's Word, to get in a great habit. It builds your faith. It gets you closer to Jesus and helps you find out what God has for your life. And so, if nothing else, it's an opportunity for us on Sunday morning to read God's Word together. So, Lawrenceburg, Florence, and watching online, join me. Come on. Let's read these three out loud together. Philippians 4-7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. John 14, 27, here's what Jesus said. He said, come on, read it. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. And again, Jesus says, John 16, I've told you all this so that you may have... Come on, let's everybody say, I've told you this so you can all have peace in me. So as we have this dialogue today about the power of peace and discovering having a peace of mind, I want to read a story. It's found in the Gospels. In fact, this story that happens in the life of Jesus is recorded in three of the four Gospels. Now, a lot of times you'll see some of the stories find the particular writer's viewpoint take place in different Gospels, but when you see it pop up in three or four or four or four, it's really important. And this story we're going to read today is the story where Jesus stills a storm. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you know right away what story we're going to look at. But the reason this is so profound is because, again, a lot of us experience storms in life. We experience these seasons and these situations we go through. And again, for us, man, peace is so far from us. Peace, the opposite of peace. A lot of us, we, what we experience is chaos. We don't experience peace, we experience worry. We don't experience peace, we experience anxiety. We don't experience peace, we experience fear. And this story that we're about to lean into, it highlights the range of emotions that so many of us feel. And in the midst of the storm, Jesus shows up and stills it to let us know that we find peace. Everybody say peace. We find peace in Jesus. And so check this out. This is a story, Mark chapter 4, beginning of verse 35. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Come on, y'all ought to get excited about that. Yeah. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So again, I want to go through this, uh, this story kind of verse by verse. I want to lean into this conversation. Again, check this out. The verse first, the way this starts, it says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So what I'm reading out of, a lot of times people ask, typically I read out of the New Living Translation, which is very dynamic, which is very modern. But in New King James and many other translations, this translation leaves out, I think, a really, really important phrase that I want to lean into. So again, in this translation, it just says, when evening came, they said, let's cross to the other side. But other translations, older translations say, uh, on that day. Everybody say on that day. Amen. On that day at evening. So evening's important because evening means it not only was a storm, but it was in the dark, which just makes things worse. Come on, when you're in the dark, it makes everything worse. If you, hear a, if you hear a bump in the middle of the day, that's one thing. You hear a bump at night, that's another. So they're in this storm. They're on this boat. It's in evening. But again, this is so important. On that day, everybody say on that day, on that day. Why is that important? Well, if you'll read back before we get to the story, it tells us what was important about that day. Because Jesus has just been on a teaching marathon on the power of his word, on what the word of God really accomplishes in our life. That it's not just a book by a biographer that just kind of says what other people say it's not just another text about a god It is god's word. It is inspired. It is life-changing It is transformative and if you'll get it into your heart and your mind It will change who you are and it'll give you eternal life (laughs) And so found in mark chapter 4 is one of the parables that jesus teaches that I don't have time to get into today But it's known as the parable of the sower And basically what jesus is teaching about specifically is the power of his word and he compares his word to a farmer who goes out to sow seed. And he says, this farmer goes out and sows seed. He casts seed on the ground, and some of the seed falls on hard ground, and some shallow ground, and some weedy ground, and some good ground. And basically, the seed is the word of God, and the ground is our heart. And he makes this comparison, and basically he says this. He says, when the seed goes on hard ground, it's people that just have hard hearts, and you just don't want to receive it at all. Some people have shallow ground hearts where we just have immature faith and there's really no depth for God's word to get into. But this is interesting, this third one he says, but some, he says, it gets on ground with weeds. He said, and the weeds get up and, and choke out the word. In the weeds are distractions. Everybody say distractions. It's distractions, which means you should be focused one way, but you're focused another way. And that chokes out the word of God. And so what Jesus is trying to say is, I'm going to give you a word, and your job is to hold on to that word. Don't allow the enemy to rob you of that word. Don't allow this world to compromise you of that word. Don't allow things in this world to distract you from that word. If you'll keep focused on my promise, then listen, you will get to the other side. Come on, did you know you have another side? I know it doesn't feel like it. I know some of you feel like, I'm never getting out of this season. I'm never making it to my purpose. I'm never getting out of this tough spot. I want you to know there's another side. you know how I know it? Because Jesus said, Let's go to the other side. Everybody say the other side. Yeah, yeah. And so the other side. So Jesus, after teaching, this is, this is, I hope you can get this. After Jesus teaching all day long on the power and the significance of his word, then he gives them a word. Let me ask you a question. Whose idea was it to get on the boat and go to the other side? Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. So Jesus gave them a word. The word was, we're going to the other side. It's the same way in Genesis one three when God said let there be light and there was Oh you all gotta help me. God said let there be light and there was light. So if God says it what happens? It happens. It happens. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And when you get to the end of the story, you know what happened? And they got to the other side. Everything that happened that we're about to read is just commentary. I'm not telling you that we all don't have our own commentary and our own struggles. But what you need to know is when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, the way your story ends is you get to the other side. Everybody say the other side. He says this in verse 37. So they get on the boat and they get out on the water. But soon. A fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. Our storms don't change what Jesus said. See, again, storms, if we're not careful, they become a distraction, and all we see is the storm, and we forget what he said. And we get caught up in the complexities and the anxieties of life, and we forget that God made a promise. And so this storm raises up. If things start to get really chaotic, really crazy, again, man, the wind is blowing Rain is pouring, water is getting in the boat, and some of these disciples, some of you may not know this, but at least four of the 12 disciples were fishermen, which means they're very comfortable on water, very comfortable on boats. They're used to, the Sea of Galilee was synonymous for storms. And so like, they were used to having storms, but something, this storm was either so crazy, something was so unique that they absolutely panicked and were losing their mind. So you got to get this, 12 disciples, like they got buckets, they got solo cups, they got whatever, and they're trying to get water out of the boat. They're screaming at each other, they're panicked, they're afraid they're about to die. And here's where the story to me is probably the most interesting. Check this out, verse 38. It says, Jesus was doing what? He was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head On a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? See, I think this is our problem with the story. This is our issue with God, isn't it? I mean, come on, if we're really honest, like, let's put your churchiness down and let's just be human beings. Let's be honest. Like, God, where are you at for real? Like, I go to church and the pastor says we're going to get to the other side. I don't feel like I'm going to get to the other side. God, your word says that you'll never leave me or forsake me, but it sure feels like I'm alone right now. Like, let's just be real. Have you ever felt abandoned? Have you ever felt like God was sleeping on the job? Have you ever felt like God was, he maybe was in somebody else's life, but he wasn't in your life? Come on, can anybody be honest in Lawrenceburg? Anybody here ever felt abandoned and felt alone? That's our problem with this story. We can all recognize that storms are real. We all experience them in all phases and stages of life. The issue is, where is our Savior in the storm? Doesn't it feel that Jesus is very unconcerned? Well, let me ask you a question. Would you rather have Jesus as panicked as you are about your situation? Oh, come on, it's about to get real right here. Can you imagine? Let me flip the script. Can you imagine the disciples running and wake Jesus? Jesus, don't you know we're about to perish? Don't you know we're about to drown? And Jesus wakes up, what? Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Somebody get me a bucket quick. I can't go down. I just got a new robe. I just got my hair done. (laughs) Can you imagine calling 911, 911, please quick. I need you to send somebody. My house is on fire. Your house is on fire. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Would you rather people show panic or people show that they're in control? Come on. That's good. Oh. See, we look at Jesus, and it feels, like, it feels like he doesn't have any compassion. When I was a little kid, I don't know, I, I, have, <laughs> I have phases where I can very distinctly remember my childhood. And then I got phases I can't remember anything, and I think those are times my dad knocked me out. <laughs> See, you all get, I, you get time out. When we were kids, we got time knocked out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But I remember as, as a kid, very distinctly I can remember this, <clears throat> that any time we would go as a family and we would go wherever, out for the day, I can remember getting in the car as a young boy. I had two older brothers. And I remember pulling out of our house, and we would always go right down our street, and we'd go to the end of our street and turn left, at, right up the road, six, five, four blocks. There was uh, a major intersection called Six Corners. And once you go to six corners, you'd have to decide you'd have five different turns you could make. And I remember as a kid sitting in the back of the car trying to track, okay, you make a a right turn out of the house and a left turn at the end of the street. I don't know if anybody else ever experienced. And then you get up to the six corners and you got to turn right. And I remember as a little kid trying to keep track in my mind of all of the turns. Do you know why? Because I felt like Are we going to be, for real, it felt so big to get away from home. Are we going to remember how to get home? I remember the anxiety of feeling like, will we remember? It's left turn, right turn, and you go about a mile, and it's another right turn. Like, how are we going to find our way home? And I'll be honest, I never broke down crying. I never got any Prozac, but I remember feeling that anxiety real talk as a kid. I'm not making fun of Prozac. I maybe needed some, but... But I remember that anxiety being so real. Let me just make this comparison to you. My dad never looked like he was panicked about finding his way home. Dad, don't you care that we're lost? My dad was about as concerned as us being lost as Jesus was as concerned with they were going to drown. My perspective was... Dad was lost. The reality is he was a mature man that knew the directions of the city. He knew exactly where he was. Your perspective of Jesus is that he suffers things the way you do. No, he is God in the flesh. He is the living God. He's 100% in control. If you're taking notes, Jesus isn't concerned because Jesus is in control. We're confusing his lack of compassion with with his ability to control. He wasn't concerned with the storm taking anybody out because he could control the storm. What panics you? Doesn't panic, Jesus. What freaks you out? What works you up? What keeps you up at night? What stresses you out? You never get a bill and Jesus is like, oh my gosh, how are we going to pay that? Whew, man, I told them I was their provider. What the heck was I thinking saying that? Whew, man, that's a big electric bill. Man, they must have turned the air conditioners on already. I'm just telling you, Jesus is not wringing his hands. He's not worried. He's not paying. Your God is big and large and 100% in control 100% of the time of every season and circumstance. Let's go to the other side and they made it to the other side. Everybody shout the other side. The other side. See, it's the season of the storm that robs us of our peace. And you need to get your eyes off of the storm and onto your Savior. You need to focus on who's in control. Because really at the end of the day, I think that's the truth. It's It's our responses dictated by our resource. If you go through a season, I I don't know if you've experienced this before, you go to a restaurant. I remember we went, uh, you know, I almost always have my wallet. Just years ago, went in and forgot my wallet, had a little bit of cash. And I remember thinking, like, when the bill comes, just, I may not be able to tip this time. (laughs) Just let us have enough like I didn't realize I didn't have my wallet so like we ordered food and it was on its way and just let me have because I was thinking if I don't have enough resource for the problem, that's where panic sets in. See, some of you are experiencing situations, your kids are off the rail, your marriage is in trouble, your career is upside down, you're facing all kinds of struggles or habits or heartaches, and you're wondering, like, what am I gonna do? Because I don't feel like I have the resource to meet the need. And if you're looking at you for the resource, you will never have enough. But if you'll fix your eyes on Jesus, you will always have enough because He is always enough. Come on, everybody shout the other. Side. so check this out I love this about Jesus because I think this is this again is is our issue with the story it says this about Jesus that Jesus had his head on a cushion anybody travel with one of these this is my picture of Jesus like they're getting on the boat anybody here travel with one of these wave at me flights car long car trips like, this is Jesus. Jesus is getting on the boat like, let's go to the other side, fellas. Jesus, what are you going to do? Man, I had a long day. I'm about to take a nap. What you travel with speaks to what your expectation is. When I travel, especially if I travel internationally, I always travel with a little, little, uh, little bag. And in it, one thing, and not to be crazy, but just telling you, every, I take it everywhere I go. Have only needed it a couple times, but always thankful I had it, is... Um, can you say diarrhea in church? That feels like a dirty word. It does, doesn't it? What's a better word? It's the second service. I don't offend anybody. Huh? Stomach problems. No, that's not specific enough. (laughs) Diarrhea. That's what we're going with. If you're offended, get over it. Anyways, listen, you don't want to get bubble gut in a third world country. And I I mean, you can't run down like you can't wake up at 11 o'clock and be like, I'm gonna go down to the, you know, I'm gonna go down to Walgreens. There is no Walgreens. (laughs) So if I eat something bad, I want to have something. My stomach's not upset. Are y'all trying? So I travel with that because my expectation is I might get sick. What is the expectation of Jesus that he rolls up on the boat with a cushion? Is this expectation that there's not going to be a storm? No, he knows there's going to be a storm. Do you know how we know he knows there's going to be a storm? Because he is God's son. He knows everything. He knows there's going to be a storm. But the reason he carries the cushion is because even though I'm going to be in a storm, the storm's not going to take us out. We're good, which means I can sleep in my storm because I know the ending. The ending is the other side. Watch this. And when Jesus woke up, so they go in, they wake Jesus, don't you care? Here's the question. Here's a question all of us ask in life. Jesus, don't you care? The answer to that question says everything about your faith. Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? And here's here's the answer. And Jesus woke up. Now, some of you, when you wake up in the morning, like at, at the first noise of alarm, beep, beep, you're like, let's go, everybody. And, like, you're in making your coffee, and you're up making noise. Hey, everybody, when I get up, everybody gets up. That's my grandfather used to say. And then some of you are like me. Alarm goes off. Come on, you got to hit snooze at least once. And then you get up and kind of move around. And you go sit back on bed just for a minute. I mean, it just takes a while. Waking up is a process. So Jesus, in my mind, he, like, he, because it, it, it doesn't say Jesus got up. And Jesus woke up. Whew. Man, what's all the, what's going on? Jesus, don't you care? Look, there's water, like your feet are wet. There's water in the boat. Jesus gets up, rolls over to the Keurig. Come on, who used the last coffee pod? (laughs) Ain't no creamer. Walks out on the deck of the boat, and Jesus sees the rain. He's not aloof to the rain. He's not aloof to the motion in the ocean. He's not aloof to everything he's going through. And his answer to the question I don't want you to miss this because this is the most profound statement in the story. Don't you care that we are perishing? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Like in a second, instantaneously, that water Became like glass. Peace didn't show up. Peace was always there. That's right. Amen. That's good. Peace didn't show up when the storm stopped. Peace was always there. The presence of your storm is not the absence of your peace. You can have peace and still be in a storm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Watch. And then in typical Jesus fashion. Or anybody in authority for that matter. Don't you love it when you ask a question and people respond to your question with a question? (laughs) It's a study. We did a whole series on it uh, two, three, four years ago called Question Theology. Jesus is asked, recorded over 300 questions in Scripture. He answers three of them. (laughs) He answers three. Almost every time he answers a question with a question. Here's the question. Jesus, don't you care about me? Don't you care about our storm? Don't you care that we're about to drown? And in response to their question, Jesus asks a question. Then he asks them, verse 40, why are you afraid? Wait a minute. Jesus, didn't you, I'll answer my question if you answer. I'll answer your question if you answer mine. Here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is, so he gets out on the boat. This is my mind. Jesus walks out it's raining. He's holding his, he's still got the cushion on because he's still a little drowsy. <laughs> Peace. Be still. And then he turns around to the disciples like, so what was the problem again? <laughs> what, what was all the hubbub about? What, what's, what, what's all the fuss? Well, I, we was asking if don't you, don't, don't you care? And then Jesus asked the question. Why are you afraid? The answer to their question was found in the answer to his question. If they would answer his question, their question would be answered. Their question is, don't you care? Jesus' question is, why are you so afraid? Well, why I'm so afraid is because I feel like you don't care. Well, do you think I really don't care? No, but maybe you do care. Because I feel like this storm is, is too big maybe for you. Do you think the storm's too big for me? See, if you'll start answering the questions that you ask in the difficult seasons of life, does God care? Yeah, God cares. Can God provide? Yeah, God can provide. Can God really fix my crazy kids? Can he really restore this broken marriage? Can he heal sick people? Can he break addictions? Yes, 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 yes. And when you start answering all the questions that he's asked, come on, it'll answer all the questions you have. I know who I am. I know who he is. I know that there's an other side in my future. I might go through a storm in my way of getting there, but I know he's going to get me there because he is large and in charge. He loves me endlessly. He's always for me, fighting through me. He's on my side. Come on, there's another side if you'll walk in the peace of God. Peace, everybody shout peace. Peace. Do you have peace? If your answer is no because I have a storm, you're confusing the two. We find peace when we elevate our Savior over our storm. What are you looking at? If all you see is your storm, you will walk in panic and chaos. Peace is perspective. I have seen in hospitals, 30 years of ministry, just honestly, I look at people go through storms and think, I I would not be that calm. I sometimes admire the faith and the peace that people have. Babies with cancer, children direly sick, and there they are, man. Not that they're not concerned. They just—you just, just tell—they just have this peace. Why? It's not because their situation is not real, but Jesus and His presence is real, and so they choose to elevate their Savior over their storm. I'm not telling you to act like you don't have a storm. No storms are real. The boat was really rocking. It was really filling up with water, but they chose to see Jesus. It's a powerful verse, and it says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Everybody here, read this with me, Lawrenceburg, Florence. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. Either things are falling apart or God is working them together for good. It can't be both. And God said he's working all things together for good. Everybody shout he's working. working. See, I thought he was sleeping. Oh, no, no, that's how big your God is. Your God can work when it looks like he's sleeping. Your God gets more done asleep than you ever get done working. Come on. He's asleep, but he's working. And so peace isn't a place. Peace is a person. See, we think this. We think the reason they didn't have peace is because they were in a storm and they weren't yet on the shore. And we think peace is a place. If I can just get there, if I can just get my marriage in that place, if I can just get my kids in that place, if I can just get my addiction to that place, if I can just get my heartache to that place, if I can just find, I'm tired of doing life alone. If I can just find a significant other, if I can just get there, I'm going to have peace. If I can just make enough money, I make 40, but if I could make 60, I have peace. You know, they say that when people... 50,000, and they start breaking up. People think, if I can just make 50,000, I'd be happy. When people make 50, you know what they say? If I could just make 100. And if people make 100, they say this, if I could just make 200. If I can just get to that place, I would have peace. Well, let's go down that road. The problem with that mentality that peace is a place is you can never be in all the places you need to be at the same time. It's like a journey if you can get to if you can get to the place of peace in your marriage You might be in a place where your marriage is at peace, but your kids are still struggling And then you might get to the place where finally like your kids are okay And they're they're, like whatever they were struggling through they're doing okay And and now your finances are out of control So if you depend your peace on a place, you're never going to be at all the places you need to be to have peace Peace isn't a place. It's a person Two of the ways that God reveals himself, Jesus is revealed in Scripture, and they're most commonly talked about on Christmas cards. And Jesus will be called the Prince of Peace. He's a prince because he has authority. It's his. Remember he said, my peace I give you, it's his to give, because he has authority as the Prince of Peace. Second name that God is known by Jesus specifically around Christmas is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? god with us so the prince of peace is the god who's with you so peace isn't a place it's a person i um i would be hopelessly lost if it wasn't for google maps (laughs) like seriously never ask me for directions and if i give them it's only because i don't tell you not i don't i can't i can't tell you how to get there and i'm too ashamed to tell you that and if you follow the directions you will end up in a cornfield don't follow my direction if I tell you how to find Jesus, you can go there. I can tell you how to do math, theology, leadership, communication. I can tell you how to get there. How to get to a physical location, I will lie to you, and you will be lost. <laughs> Google Maps, me and Siri. I'm cheating on my wife. Siri, tell me how to get there. But here's the funny thing, if you ever pull, and Google Maps opens up, and all, how many people here use Google Maps? So we're on the same page. Google Maps, I was thinking about this. It goes back to my, my childhood. If I only had like Google Maps in the backseat, like he's, we're good, Dad. <laughs> but it's funny because you put it in and it has, it has two things, right? It has, it has your current location and your destination, your current location and your destination, your current location and your destination. But as it goes along the route, there's always this little blip. blip, blip. And we think, like, that's where I'm going. And that's where peace is. Once I get there, like, whew, I made it. Your peace is in the blip. Jesus is with you on the dirt roads, the back roads, the dead ends, the highways, the byways, the side streets. Wherever you are is where Jesus is. How do I know that? Because he promised to never leave you, never forsake you. So when you ask the question, Jesus, don't you care? The answer is, I absolutely care. I may not be as panicked as you it's because I'm in control. So get your eyes off the storm and get them back on the Savior. See Jesus. I know that's hard. It's hard for me too. It's easy, I, it's easy to stand up here and preach this. The hard thing is for me to see Jesus in my storm. But if you'll see Jesus, I pro- the peace that passes understanding. Do you know why it passes understanding? Because it doesn't make sense for you to have peace. You ought to be losing your mind. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you more panicked? I don't know. I just, I'm not any more panicked than I should be because Jesus wasn't any more panicked than he should be. Not because of what I have, but because of who I have with me. I've got the Prince of Peace. So I have peace. There's one other verse I want to point to. It's just just a side note, but I found it very interesting. I don't know if you all caught it when I read it. We we all just, this last verse, just read with me. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Read this with me. And other little boats were also with him. Did you all catch that when I read it? So here's the backstory. Multitudes have been following Jesus. They're thronging him. They want to be by him. They want to hear what he's teaching and saying. All of these new ideas about who God is and how we connect with him. It was transforming. Plus, he was working miracles, and so pe- people just wanted to be by Jesus. And so Jesus is so taxed out tired. He just needs some time alone. Everybody needs time alone. You need time with the Father. And I don't mean in a car full of people with worship you. You need time alone with the Father. Jesus made time alone with the Father. And so he gets gets on the boat in order really just to take a break from the multitude. The multitude is so insistent on being by Jesus, they get in these little, everybody say smaller boats. They get in smaller boats, and they're trying to keep up with Jesus as he crosses with his disciples to the other side. Here's a question. I wonder how the storm felt to them. Have you ever thought about that? Because the bigger the boat, the less you feel the storm. Our first cruise we ever went on had never been on a cruise. Everybody's told us like, oh, you won't even feel the waves. We were on a carnival cruise. We were on a brand-new ship. It was the largest ship in the fleet. And it was, everybody said it. Who'd been, they said, we've never been in storms so bad. Like, we're walking down. Like, we didn't drink a drop, believe me. <laughs> and we're walking down the hall, like, bumping into the side of the halls. Man, the ship was rocking, plates moving around. And that a big ship. I remember thinking, like, what if this big ship is feeling the, the storm this way, what about these little ships? They're out, on the, they're out on the Sea of Galilee. They're on the largest ship, at least compared to the smaller boats. And they're concerned that they're about to drown. What about the people in these smaller ships? Have you thought about that? And here's what I want you to hear, is they didn't have the word that the disciples had. Jesus only said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Here's what I want you to hear, is when Jesus stood on the bow of that boat and said, peace be still, they were beneficiaries of the peace the disciples had. Their peace from the smaller boats, their peace came from the proximity of people who had peace. Here's here's what I'm telling you, is once you figure out your peace, you'll you'll be able to be an agent of peace in your family. You might be the only one in your family serving Jesus, and when everybody else is losing their mind because they just watch Fox News, CNN, heard more about vaccinations or anti-vaxxers, they watch more stuff about China's rockets falling out of the sky, what are we going to do? Doesn't God care that we're perishing? Hey, let me tell you, man, I know these are crazy times, but man, if you just focus on Jesus, you can have peace the way I have peace. And all of a sudden, man, the same same storm that all the other boats were, were rocking under, moms, come on, you're here. You might be the only one in your family serving Jesus. Don't tap out on serving Jesus because nobody else is doing it. You're the agent of peace in that place because you have what nobody else has. You're all going through storms, but you have Jesus in your storm. And I'm telling you, if you will live out the peace that God gives you, they'll start to be anxious to have that peace themselves. They'll start to desire to have that peace and eventually they'll ask the question, how do you not lose your mind? Mom, tell me, how how are you not upset when you go through this? Dad, tell me what's the secret because I'm struggling and I don't know if I'm going to make it out school and there's no jobs available and I'm not sure what's going to happen in my future. How do you have peace? Let me tell you how I have peace. I have peace because I have a person. I'm not trying to get to a place and his name is Jesus. And if you'll give Jesus a place on your boat, you'll have peace too when storms come. How many people in this room would be honest enough to say that they need some peace in this life? I read it right out of the gate. You already have it. If you don't sense it, it's because you're looking the wrong direction. I need it too. And so I just came to declare what Jesus came to declare, peace. Over every one of you in this room, over every one of you in Lawrenceburg. Peace. Be still. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the example that we find in this story. I pray, God, help us, help us to know that you do care. Even in the season of struggles and storms, you do care. You do care. You care about what's happening in our hearts and our families and our careers and our challenges. You care. The reason you're not panicked like we are is because you're in control. And, Father, I pray that today we would find peace in the confidence that you have, that you are in control. You did make a promise. And I declare over every home, every family, every individual, every student, every elderly person, every middle-aged person, every white person, every black person, every Christ follower and everyone here is not even sure about Jesus, I declare another side, that Jesus will carry you to the other side, because it's not about who you are, where you've been, and what you've done. It's about who he is and what he's promised. And I pray over you, peace in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed, say amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord Jesus?